Jennifer. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. That's so great. I mean, things are looking up. Spring is springing. Right? I think right? so. It I feels mean, that way, doesn't it? Freddie always makes fun of me because my winter wear is the same as my summer wear, only <laughs> the jacket. Well, when you live in Southern California, pretty much, you know, me, it's like uh, COVID wear. What are we talking about? Pandemic wear? That's <laughs> what I wear all the time. Anyway. People are like, I haven't had to wear pants in a year. And I'm like, uh, I'm trying to remember when I wore pants. <laughs> you know, oh, that's funny. sweats and shorts. Dude, come on. What are we talking about? You know, California. I don't miss some friends of mine are lamenting, you know, the the uh, the award season. You know, they don't get to go all these parties. They don't get to dress up and go stand in crowds and have people you know, ask them for autographs. Yeah. So it's like, okay, welcome to my world. You can just do it on Zoom. Get your, speaking of Zoom, by the way, uh, we've had a number of people who've, you know, signed in and listened and listened to our podcast. We appreciate it. All you listeners out yeah, there. I'm very excited. So I have it on my website, jennifershaper.com. Yeah. A link as well to all of you. And that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-S-H-A. FFVR because we can't afford the C apparently because <laughs> that's funny. But one of my Jewish friends told me like, well, you just can't afford the C. I'm like, oh. whatever, whatever. Wait a minute, there's a joke in there somewhere. Somewhere. Um, C pairing. Yeah. So um, we've had ten thousand downloads. I that was my point. I was getting to. Sorry. I was reading your mind. <laughs> just for the record, that is really funny because somebody asked me. They're like, what? Are, I you're just reading my mind. I'm like. Okay, just so you know, that's really hard. Like, not the easiest thing to do just to read somebody's mind. But right. I think it's funny that you're actually saying you just might be reading my mind. I'm like, that is last no. Time checked, last time I checked, it was pretty hard to do. Well, that was that is one of the, the bugaboos about science when they're examining, mm -hmm. you know, how could Jennifer be right when she is right? And, and then they go, well, she's reading the collective unconscious that's floating around and out in the universe. And you think, Okay, how do you do that? Is that like, is that and, like in the manual? Like, how do you do that? And specifically to the person that's in front of me. So uh, absolutely. And Very specific. I mean, and, I'm, go ahead. So I, you know, when I talk to people, they're not thinking what I'm about ready to say. Do you know what I mean? So I will come, I will say something that, that, that was either in their past or something that I'm seeing that usually comes true, whatever it is. But it's not because they're thinking it, especially when I work on cases, because I might have a mother that thinks, oh, my gosh, my daughter was killed and didn't commit suicide or my, you know, my son had to have been, you know, somebody had to have done this. They're thinking that, thinking that, but that's not what I pick up on. Well, I, I like to give it as an example that that case with Bill Bratton, the former, you know, NYPD commissioner of New York. And without getting into details, you know, I, I just remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was that idea of you got a call from some of his friends' parents whose child had gone missing, and they thought it might be a kidnap case because of their wealth and all that other stuff. And yeah. You, that's not what you got. And you told them what you got. And they went out in the woods and were able to find their child who had drowned accidentally, uh, you know, in a pond. I told them, ex I told them exactly how it But ended. Bill Bratton, their friend, said, how could she know what happened? And then, like, invited you to New York to, you know, to 
reveal how it was that you anyway the point is it's look it's tragic we're talking about tragedy but when somebody goes where's the proof and you go dude the proof is the answer and the answer is the proof and right. what do you want and of course is every medium 100 correct or why don't they do the lottery numbers it's, it's interpretation as well well there's also the, that and then there's also <laughs> this thing of big thing well, so also, I would, uh, if I could m mention, you know, in the research, uh, things happen for a reason. Sometimes we don't understand spiritual reasons. And so people are charging down the path. Did he do it? Did she do it? Did this? And the answer is much more complicated that it might have to do with previous lifetimes, etc. Well, let me give you an example. Me trying to control the unknown by knowing when our friend, Denise, you know, my friend Denise who passed away a couple of weeks ago or my dad, like how in the world did I, could I not stop that? Forget the lottery, like lottery numbers, that'd be great. But <laughs> that part, like how yeah. can I make it to where my dad didn't die or how can I have helped to where Denise didn't die? And we've gone over that. We won't have to go over that again, but. Well, we've gotten a, quite a few letters about that. People want to reach out to you and they, you know, through the martini prods or on our YouTube page. And they want to say to you, Jennifer, you know, that you have this gift and you're not supposed to knock it out of the park all the time. And they just want, they felt really bad for you and for your friend, Denise, you know, oh, and, but, you. but again, it, the odd part of this is that here we are sharing your talent and your gift and sharing this process of how it is that we can communicate with people no longer on the planet. We're doing that so that people can do it for themselves. Absolutely. And so um, Denise gave us another gift without thinking about it, but it's this other gift that on a spiritual level, it's like, yeah, I'll participate. We have had people, we've asked people to come through and talk to us and we've had people say, I, no, I'm not ready for this. Or I, I don't know what you're doing or who are you? I, when we talked to Paul Allen, you know, the Microsoft, I remember he was like, I remember you said he, you know, he was, he was looking at us like this, like, wait, who are you guys? Like, why are you, you know, what do you want? What's your motivation? And the motivation was just clearly, what's up? You know, what's it like over there? What was your journey? What was your path? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I just wanted to point that out. We have gotten quite a few nice, really, you know, lovely notes from people who are expressing their deep sorrow for the loss of your pal. Thank you very, very much. She was, you know, and I wish I could read more. I'm going to have to go back and revisit the, the podcast to like learn what I said because it's another fun thing. Well, that is the weird thing. Of course, Jennifer's like a telephone that's on and then she says everything that she hears and then the phone hangs up and you're like, what were we talking about? What, <laughs> what did I say? And that is another form of demonstrating that you know she and i haven't chatted about this stuff we haven't no. and look at look at this rich <laughs> there it is <laughs> let's talk to that guy so we have had an, a couple of questions i just i don't want to pass anybody up uh today we got a very nice email from i th i she's from i think she might be in india i don't know but her name is edith and she was asking questions about reaching out to talk to her dad who had passed away on the flip side. And as we've talked about, you know, we're not doing sort of call in kind of things that people can do. But this is we're talking about process. What's the process? Right. Your dad passed away. You want to talk to him. Maybe you had a dream. And Jennifer and I have discussed this in great detail about how to what are you thinking? I see that far off look. What? 
Oh my gosh. Every time I do that, my friend, I, ca- I catch myself because I try not to look away when I'm getting information, but it's just so go ahead. You know what? That's why we're here. No, I was just kidding that I felt this, you know, I felt somebody being sick. And when I wrote down Edith and your question though, was about how do you connect with, like, she wants to know how to connect with her father. Yeah. And she did. And because, you know, we've given her those tools. She wanted to just write and say on behalf of my father, I, the both of us want to thank you for sharing how to do that. I, that. I was, and that's funny because I was getting that she was already talking to him and that they have like their relationship now is closer together. I don't know if they lived like, it doesn't matter, but I feel that um, a lot of times, and this is what you brought to my attention when my dad passed and I was, you know, obviously it's four years ago and I'm still kind of out of sorts, but I'm able to talk to him way more than I did when he was alive. Right. I, like, yeah. I was, I was making that point when we first were crazy. chatting about it. Yeah. Well, well, I'm like, what do you mean, Richard? <laughs> well, I was, I was trying to point out that, you know, but it was true. It was but true. I was remembering like talking to my mom, you know, and talking to my mom, it's, you, you know, when she's on the phone, right? She's in Chicago and I'm in Santa Monica. And you, what do you talk for? 10 minutes, a half an hour at the most. And maybe what, once a week? And then when they cross over, the phone's open. And then you can have long, involved, hour-long dreams where you're, I mean, you had that wonderful dream with, you were dancing with your dad. I mean, that kind of thing, because it's not happening every day. And, you know, when you do go and drive over to their house, you sit in the couch and you have your dinner and maybe you look at the corner of their face. So mostly you're looking at this, you know, while they're talking, you're not really doing that one-on-one. It's just not how humans communicate, but this is a form of one-on-one that can be very intense and very uh, emotional. Yeah. I had a really good, like this week, and just through our process, through doing it, I really, I have let go of trying to figure out what craziness is coming up next. Mm. And, and instead of trying to hedge it before it happens, unless it, unless I get told information, I'm not looking for it. I've just allowed it to let go because it got to the point where it was so debilitating. I, you know, and that's what happens. Like, I felt like, Oh my gosh, if I don't like, is my family, you know, is something going to happen to Jack or something going to happen to, you know, Blake or whatever. And I'm looking and looking and looking and it, you know, and then I just have to just kind of, okay, I'll just have to deal with it when it comes. And right. it, and, and people do, I know they reach out to you for that reason, because they want to talk about their future and what's going to health and all, you know, all everything, emotions and life and all that stuff. And yeah. you, of course, because you have a different bypassing the filters and the rest of us do you get a sense of those likely outcomes and and maybe they're helpful you know and people then make decisions based on them but uh, what i'd say is i what i'd say is what we're doing is really helping people not to focus on themselves which is what we do right what who else is there to talk about but to focus on loved ones i mean i got i i got an email in quora this morning where it was a religious person, just very adamant about talking to the dead and angry about it and going to, you know, Hades, literally, that's what she was saying. And, and I just kind of, I had to reply, if these people are your loved ones, if you claim that you loved them, why wouldn't you allow them to communicate with you? If they could, if you, I mean, why not take the 10 minutes 
to try because loved one, it, you know, it doesn't stop at the door. It doesn't stop the casket falls. You're like, oh, well, enough of granny. Yeah, I'm on my uncle Pete. Yeah, we loved you, but dude, next. That's my point. One of the things that I, because you're going to Hades. One of the things, <laughs> one of the things that I <laughs> have learned, like I used to tell my dad, I'm like, so let me get, the, you know, initially when he was trying to figure out what this was, I'm like, let me get this straight. So you believe in the afterlife, but you can't talk to it. And he just looked at me and I'm like, that's really what you're saying. If you can't talk to it. You believe there's an afterlife. You spend every day getting yourself, because my dad was a very religious Mormon bishop, loved everybody. You know, he, I'm like, you spend every day making sure that you can get to that place, but you're not going to talk to it. <laughs> or you're going to do this. I can't help it. Right? I can't help it. You know, right. Right. But and you do. know what, though? But there's also, I have learned whatever your belief system is, you are correct. Yeah. For you yourself. don't have to change your beliefs. It, but right? my, my, yeah, I agree with you 100%. You don't have to be, claim you're this or that or not believe or disbelieve. Just allow the loved one to speak to you. That's as simple as that. You don't have to run around and. and yeah, you know. Well, another thing that I, you know, another thing that I also struggled, like if I didn't physically see spirit, I probably wouldn't believe it either. But I physically see spirit and I cannot, for me, that would be taking what I can help people with by not using my God-given talents or not using my talents. I think that would be a form of my own hell. And I think that that would be like, you're supposed to use your talents. Yeah, I love that. The form of your own hell. I love that. And that's what people say. That's the research shows that some people, you know, I'm a near death experience and it's creepy and scary, but they don't match. They never, there's no two that have ever matched in terms of description of whoever, Santa, you know, or hell. There are no description is the same. Why? Because it's reflective of what you are trying to believe and carry on into the flip side and speaking of spirit so we have ed from illinois who asked us if spirit can manipulate a pet he lost his pet recently absolutely absolutely So so are you talking about can that's that pet spirit manipulate another pet yeah i guess so i think that's what he meant Okay, absolutely. Pets are so easily pets constantly. If you see them barking at something or looking around, they could see things. They actually are sentient being, beings that can see things from the other. What I can see, and so they just like babies, they can track until they're told not to see it. They can see it. They can yeah. see the other dimension, and I absolutely, t- they can, they can they can make the dog want to do stuff. That's you know, be- beautifully absolutely. said. Beautifully said. And I can remember when Luana passed. I happened to be in the room when Luana, our friend on the flip side, passed, and how her two her ca- and her two cats, yeah, watched her like going around the room. She, her two cats, watched as she went somewhere, rose up out of her body, but for about forty minutes, that you know, she was flying around the room. And the, the way that I know that is both cats watched in unison. You see, it wasn't just one cat looking up here and one looking down there. They were both like, wow. <laughs> so 
your cat or your pet, a perfect way for you to talk to spirit or to be connected to spirit. I love that. Thank you, Ed, for that question. Hey, speaking of Luana, our friend, our friend Luana, we yeah. should ask her, did she have somebody or something she wants us to talk about? Or should we continue talking about process? She finds it interesting. She asked someone mm. something about last Sunday, which was Super Bowl. Goat. <laughs> okay, hold on. Oh. Okay, you know that I, so I worked all day on last Sunday. She's mentioning last Sunday. Um, and then she's, you know, and I really, it was a Super Bowl. I actually worked the, during the day. Um, so I didn't watch any of it, believe it or not, but I know who won. <laughs> don't say goat. Don't say goat. Um, but I don't know if it was some, I don't know if you, hold on. Well, what's she showing you? How everybody was watching it from the flip, how everybody was watching it, like the football players from the flip side. And that one guy that dealt with the, um, junior, junior sale. Junior, say how, and who was the guy that said no at first that you mentioned earlier today? This is uh, Paul it. Allen. Paul Allen. Okay, hold on. Let me just see if that's them. Oh. No, they were just saying great Super Bowl. They were they had nothing to do to talk to us. It was just like great Super <laughs> they Bowl. enjoyed the He's game. Me Amelia Earhart. So. Oh. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. Luana's showing you Amelia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's chat with her. Uh, I know people, my, their minds freeze when we say her name. More they so than <laughs> As they should. But as people don't may, may or may not realize that when I first met Jennifer, we did a three-hour interview with Amelia Earhart. And the reason we could, I felt, is because I've spent 30 years of my professional career studying everything about her and where she, what happened to her. You can look it up at Earhart on Saipan.com. I've been there. The book details so much about her life and her journey that is corroborated by the evidence. And and as we've mentioned, I'll just really quickly and briefly, at one point I asked you how, well, let me, two things. At one point, another medium uh, was Jamie Butler was was interviewing her using my questions. I wasn't asking them, but those questions I had crafted. And one of them was, well, how did you die? I had heard differing reports. And Amelia's answer was, it's in Terry. I don't I don't want to answer. Well, no, that's not what she said. She said, I don't want to answer that question. That's what that's what she said to you. She said, I don't want to answer that question, but I will privately with the person who crafted this question. Now, mm -hmm. I didn't pay attention to that because I was transcribing it and it took me two years to, to hear it again and realize, oh, my God, she's talking to me. I wrote the question. So now Jennifer and I do this three hour session and I got to that question and I thought, you know, maybe she didn't want to reveal it because it's too painful or whatever. But clearly she said dysentery. And, and I argued with Jennifer. I said, are you sure she wasn't beheaded or shot or something or tortured? Blah, blah, blah. And by the way, he didn't tell me who he's like, how would you like to work on the biggest missing persons case? I'm like, sure. I don't know what I'm capable of. Just so you guys know, the audience, I did not know he was filming when he told me 
who we were going to look like. There was no calling me and telling me who it is. And by the way, I knew that she flew a plane. Like I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. About it. And uh, the audience knows when it was it was the weirdest way of proving how talented Jennifer is to me without trying to, because having spent 30 years on her story, I know uh, all the details about how the things that happened to her. I know where she landed. I know where she was arrested. I know I've been to Saipan. I've been to the cell that she was in. OK, so for Jennifer then to just say, well, she's showing me that she was arrested. And, and is that right? Or. But the key sentence was, she, you were talking and, and I said, well, so if you died of dysentery, like what happened to your body? And Jennifer said, well, the church, those two GIs who dug her up, they only found an arm. My mind was blown because I know that in 1963, there was a book by Fred Gurner called Searching for Amelia Earhart, where he interviewed those two GIs. And not many people know that that these GIs and then later it was corroborated. And so when she said that though, they only found an arm. I had never heard that. And I've read everything and I've, I worked on the movie, uh, Amelia. And so I got paid a lot of money to have read everything. 10 minutes after that conversation with Jennifer, the phone rang in my car, NTSB investigator calling me to say, I just looked through all these secret files of a researcher named Les Kinney, former ATF agent, federal investigator. He's spent 30 years himself. And she, he said, Rich, everything you told me about her is in his files, except when they dug her up, they only found an arm. He said that literally 10 minutes after. Now, what's weird about it, and I haven't even told this to you, Jennifer, but about a year later, I had lunch with Les Kinney and I told him this story. And he said, what are you talking about? I don't remember seeing that in my research. He had gotten the research and he never saw it, but this wow. NT NTSB guy did. So, and then it took me six months before I found it. Chicago Tribune, 1977 UPI story, interview with these two guys off camera. The reporter said, so what was it like when you found her? And the guy said, you know, it's weird. We only found a partial rib cage and an arm. So if Jennifer had been somehow aware of that, she could have said a partial rib cage. You see, she didn't say that. What Amelia, she didn't say partial. Amelia didn't say it either. She just said they only found my arm. Anyway, what's the point of all this? Amelia, enough about me. What would you like to say? She said the rib cage was from an animal, not her. Oh, okay. Well, very good. But what would you like to say, Amelia? Okay. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate it. She's showing me you looking at documents or you're looking at either something you've written or, or you're like, and you're either proofreading it or you're, and I'm not sure if you're, it was like a month ago she's showing me and then you stopped <laughs> saying that. Um, Very accurate. hundred percent accurate. Hold on. She's going like this to your shoulders. She says that <laughs> you said that you're not getting anything from her. 
Like you were either like asking her questions or you didn't feel like you're getting anything more and she wants you to go back. Okay. Here's what I think I want to clarify. And I understand that now this is an example of Jennifer picking up clear information, passing it along to me about a month ago and maybe, maybe six months ago, a close friend of mine, a studio executive had dug, you know, gotten me to dig up the story that I had written. And I, and I have a, what they call a, an outline along with a, like an eight part mini series about her life. It's really extensively written and the outline, I honed it and honed it and I worked on it. And about a month ago, we gave it to a producer, uh, a friend of his who gave it to some really famous producers and we're waiting to hear from them. So the question I would ask to Amelia is, are these guys going to pass like everybody else does or, or should we focus on that in some way? Or is that a good one? Of them, one of them really, 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 really wants it. And it's just about a budget at this point. We're figuring out a budget well. because of, because of things that are shut down. So. <laughs> Can I, Oh, go ahead. Just one more second. Um, I'm asking her if it's going to be made. And she says, not if it doesn't have a better ending. Okay. But she's okay. showing me it's, there's some, it's either you collaborating and having somebody. And a better like, ending. Well, let me ask you about it. Let me get, let's be specific. Okay. Listen, people tell me Scarlett Johansson. I'm looking to see like, if it's going to get done, when would it get done? Well, don't do that. I don't want you to do that, you see? And this is why. Because when we do that, then we're pinning ourselves to that. Okay, so. But, it's going to be in the next couple of years. All right, but we have it. So we're having this story conference. I'm going to send myself an email. <laughs> we have this story conference with our collaborator on the flip side that Luana brought to us. And, the, mm -hmm. and what I would like to hear from her, because most people don't realize that, that Amelia actually wrote a screenplay along with Mary Pickford. They were going to make this together uh, before she disappeared. And like a true story, um, the head of the studio was Carl Lemley, actually greenlit the picture and said, you better make it fast. So in terms of what you're saying, Amelia, are you saying you would prefer the ending as we have now, which is what it, whatever it is, you, would you prefer it to take place present day? Because that's it ends present day. Or would you prefer it to end in your time period? That's just a, you know, that's a quibble, but I could argue either one. It's like having an, an ending, but then have, hold on. It's almost like having the story be part, partly like be about the movie or the script that she the wrote. making of the story the making of the story well let me let me explain it, right. the, the film ends you know this eight the eight piece miniseries ends with them digging up her plane where she has told us it is located so that would be dramatic you see because we haven't done that yet but that's that's what she, so she's saying all like all the different amendments afterwards or what all the stuff that you found out later like yeah, oh showing that, that yeah dealing with that yeah yeah well i mean look <laughs> we dig her up we find 
the arm or the rest of her, let's put it that way, then that's a pretty good ending. Still feels like it's there. Yeah, okay. But I'm just saying. I don't know where that is. But I do. I do. Well, you know, here's the weird thing. I show up in Jennifer's office. She's telling me stuff. I had just come back from Saipan. She's like, this is over here. And I'm like, what? And then I go draw it for me. And she literally takes out a piece of paper and draws an accurate map of exactly where I had been. You know, how the road goes. And here's where this school is. And this is where the cemetery is, where the church is. Here's where... And I'm looking at this thing, and how can this be? Anyway, obviously. But I've I'm never been here. there before. I'm I, still here. I'm still connected to you. You blew my mind. I'm still trying to get it back. I still love your conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really into the whole medium thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was our hello. Yeah, mediumship. I'm not, uh, I don't really get it. I mean, like, you know. But back then, but back then, I'm like, I want people to understand this more so they can do it themselves. That was my main goal. You know, a couple. Very years. good, Lou. So, uh, is this what Amelia wants to talk to us about? What else, Amelia? Is there anything else you want to mention? Your love life. She wants to confirm what you're doing. That's what she wanted to do. Okay, uh, you know, want, she doesn't want you to get just. She wants. Okay, hold on. Deflated. That's it. She showed me you deflated and she says that's not matching the frequency of getting it done. <laughs> okay. So no, listen, have- uh, this morning I saw a plane fly overhead and of course my brain went to her. And I thought, God, she used to do that all the time. You know, whenever she was deflated or she would be like, like put me in a plane. I'm up. I'm above the clouds. I know. So that feeling that she captured in her life is something that everybody should experience i you know i think there i think maybe uh, at some point in the story of this story it ended with her flying you know flying i mean because what are we doing on the flip side we're flying so you know it doesn't have to be i mean structurally it's a little unusual because i allowed her to have a voice within the story the structure of the story is we go to amelia in a soundstage somewhere and she's talking about what happened just real fast. So she, when she's showing me that script that she wrote and how they weren't going to do the whole script, like they were going to only do, they were going to definitely censor it. And that's the struggle that you would want to show the struggle where she couldn't be completely herself. Absolutely. That it's a, it's one of that's the eight pieces. Well, what she's showing me. Yeah. Yeah. Because she and Mary Pickford wrote these scenes and it was about a woman, you know, being um, a pilot and how the men would be like, no, you, you're a mechanic. You can't be a mechanic. You can't be a pilot. You can't be, you can't be, you can't be. And that is the essence of her life. Really. The essence of this story is she could be anything she wanted to be and she, she did that that's right and we don't honor her as much i heard somebody the other day um olivia nutzi she's a, a reporter and and i she posted a picture of amelia and said enough already i'm tired of hearing about amelia and you know my feeling is like you haven't heard anything you have no idea of no clue what you're talking about you have absolutely no idea what she went through in her life it's never been told anyway i don't want to get worked up about it but thank you amelia i appreciate that little kick in the shins little flyby flyby blue is that the only person you wanted us to talk to or i mean doesn't get any bigger than that i mean it does but i know i know hold on (laughs) 
No, she said go to questions. Go to questions. All right. Very good. Lou, these are questions about process. So uh, HF Maderos wrote, um, sometimes I'm waking up and I hear voices talking to me. And she asked, who are those voices? Now, I'm specifically, I'm, we don't know. We couldn't know. We, Jennifer might know. But the question really is, you're, it's about process. You're asleep. You're having a conversation with somebody on the flip side, somebody you know or love or maybe a stranger. Sometimes I have those. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, I had this long conversation with, a, with an Indian guy, a, you know, a guy from India talking about turbans and dhotis which if you don't know what a dhoti is you don't want to but <laughs> i woke up thinking what a weird conversation you know it's just another hat you know you put a turban on here take my turban anyway so but what process wise are we in another channel is this like you're on channel six and then the slowly the thing switches to channel five there's no like that's when the veil is I don't think there's a veil. We, Denise and I actually say this, there is no veil. And so when you're in that theta state, when you're just the first two minutes before you wake up and you can hear, if you're hearing voices, it's just before you come to, but if you remember what they're saying to you, and I know the question was, who are they? It is, it could be something in your dream. It could be something, you know, I heard my dad talking to me. Yeah. Now, that was part of my dream. Um, it could be, and, and are they external voices? Are you actually hearing a voice or is it in your in mind? Your head. In your, in your yeah. mind. And if it's, you know, like I hear people, like I hear, obviously I hear things. Um, it's different for everybody, but I believe it's because just like with what you said, you know, it's the frequencies and then you come to and you're more here, which means that you're not, you're not. The filters are back. Right. The filters are back. You're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. That must have been just a dream. You just disregard yeah, it. Uh, dismissed. Right. But, and that idea of. of... It's something that you should be. A, so I feel like people always want to know, where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? It's just coming from your field of energy. Well, it's and also. that. Unless it, unless you're getting voices that are telling you, this is, I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean or cruel. If you, if you're getting voices that are telling you to hurt yourself or telling you to do hurt something, somebody else or do something, somebody else, I, I'd advise you to go get some help, you know, just to check and see if everything's okay, because that's serious. That's a serious thing. And but usually it, it's reflective of something amiss in the head or the brain that is malfunctioning and it's like if you want to just put it this way spirit's not going to tell you to do something never so if, if, never done so that. if that's a message you're getting well then focus on why you would create that or construct that but i just want to say in terms of what you were saying about you know voices asking questions and this is what i do in my work where i talk to people not under hypnosis, Architecture of the Afterlife. The book is all 50 people, not under hypnosis, just answering questions. Ask the questions, not just who's talking to me, but Why? what's the content? What what did they say? And if and, and then you start thinking, well, were they male or female? Just ask those questions. Was it a group of males? Was it a group of females? Was it all males? Was it all females? Et cetera, et cetera. You find, I found anyway, that councils, 
are a place where people have these multiple conversations where you're with a line of people and maybe a, a crowd and they're tossing bits of advice to you. Like, like let's say you're an actor in front of a stage and, and the whole audience are your friends and they love you and they're teachers and they go, eh, don't forget, <laughs> you know, Right. You got to call your mother, whatever it is, you know, have more fun. Stop taking things so seriously. And you wake up and you're like, wow, that was a dream. Eh, forget that. But those kinds of things are wonderful to focus on. I have learned that I am very, like, I've learned to wake myself up from a dream when it's been a nightmare. I wait, I, you know, I've learned to you know, shift. shift. And I know people are, there's like, there's a crazy energy right now where people have very weird off dreams right now where it doesn't really make sense. Well, it's their subconscious that's coming out. It's not necessarily a dream that's happening or a dream that's, you know, where you have to look into it, but it just is your subconscious. Are you worried about something that's manifesting itself in your dream? Right. So, and how would you find that out? You would examine what, it's like a painter, yeah. you know, you hand a bunch of paint to a painter and, and they start throwing paint up and you could say, well, you're doing that because you're angry. And they go, no, I'm not. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. There's a lot of red in this painting. So it's almost like looking at your dream, the way an artist would craft or a writer would craft the dream, you know, is there anger in there? Is there love? Is there, and if you're getting too much anger, well then maybe let's add some color in here. That's more love. And ask, ask for it before you go to sleep. And if you have a hard time going to sleep, ask them, please help me get to sleep or let me go to sleep. I think that's so key. Ask them. We have this weird thing of, because we're looking for sound. You can ask a person a question and they can hold up a photograph. They can hold up something and that's the answer. And then you have to, you have to examine what that is. I heart New York. Okay. What's that mean? And instead of like, oh, they held up a pen or, you know, Cubs world champions. I mean, whatever that is. And that means, oh, you should call your brother in Chicago. Right. Try to allow that an answer may not be call your brother. It could be, a Cubs exactly. hat, you know, or something exactly. like that. All right. Um, I have a question from, <laughs> all right. I, from Luther Burbank, which, which is a real guy, but that's not his name. I think his name is Doug. And he was talking about process. Now, in this case, he mentioned a particular person who we interviewed um, in the past. And uh, his name is Andy Kaufman. And the reason I felt that we would be on solid ground with him is because his sister lived across the street from my parents in Northbrook, Illinois. And okay. so we were friendly and I didn't know Andy, uh, but I was a huge fan and I'm totally aware of him and his journey, his life and et cetera, et cetera. Do you have anything to do with sports? <laughs> so there you go. Jennifer doesn't know who Andy Kaufman is. That's fine. And but we have a whole chapter in one of our books where we, we interview Andy was a comedian mm. and he, and, uh, and he was fun being me, <laughs> but, but he was, he was pretty famous for doing the kind of avant-garde comedy that uh, some people have picked up where he, he was on Letterman and, you know, all these shows where he would, where he would pretend. And he was also in the show taxi. I don't know if you remember, he played a really eccentric character on the show Taxi. 
Yeah. Was he the taxi driver? Was he? Never mind. Well, he was, uh, you know, he was, I forget his character's name, but he, but he, anyway, very esoteric guy. And all I can tell you is we talked to him about, and I'm going to just. That's not the one that Jim Carrey did. Is that? Yes, that is. That is him. Now I know who he is. Yeah. And I actually had a conversation, name drop, with Jim Carrey about it because. I ran into Jim and we started talking about Andy and I said, well, I know his sister. And he was like, Oh, Lisa, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Jim actually said to me, why do you, why do you think that whole cancer thing happened with him? You know, what, what do you think that was? I mean, do you think it was genetic or, or, you know, because he, he died of cancer, but he went all around the world to try to get faith healers to cure him. And you and I had a conversation with Andy where we went to the moment when he realized that this faith healer was a fake when he was there in line waiting to talk to him. It just shows you you're not aware of this. And I'm sure it's in backstage pass uh, to the flip side, maybe one or two. But the idea of Andy's journey of realizing he had cancer, was doing anything he could to stay alive. And, you know, he went around to these faith healers. And then that moment of realizing the guy that's like working on him, he's waited days to see him. It's just like pawning, palming stuff, you know, and, and faking it. Tony, the faith healer, not to insult uh, the Tony, the faith healer people out there, but, but listen, the point is Andy is available. Andy didn't die. Right. Andy's still funny. He's still funny on the flip side. And if you want to talk to Andy, you don't need, you don't need us. You don't need Jennifer. I mean, you might need Jennifer, but you don't need me. Anyway, that's the point. You sit down. I'm just going to give it to you as simply as I can. Take out a picture of Andy. Try to associate something about Andy that you know. Could have been somebody he knew. That would be nice. It helps. Could be just imagining him. Did you freeze or am I frozen? Instead of getting into how you reach out to talk to Andy, which is what I was trying to do. Obviously, he doesn't want people to do that. Um, So... The most important thing is, (laughs) which is, look, is to say, take the time to talk to your loved ones, whether you believe that they exist or not, pretend it's a game. That way you don't have to get all uptight about it. It's a game. You know, it's like Parcheesi. Mm -hmm. Luana, is there anybody else that needs to talk to us? Prince said that you played music the other day. What the well, I was listening to him today. He just wants to say that he's accessible too. Okay, very good. Thank you. Like he's very accessible and that you, hold on. He loves to give signs to people that he is. Loves to give signs. So Prince is saying he's very accessible. And yeah. Okay, we love you, Jennifer. Love you very much. Bye. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye. Bye, Bye Amelia. <laughs>